So I wonder, when is the last time that you had good news to share with someone? I was surfing with my friend Paul Prince on Friday. It was kind of a surprise. We just kind of ran into each other in the water. And I was telling him about an app that I use on my phone for surfing workouts. It has worked really well for me, and I like it, so I was happy to share the story of how the app has, the app has helped me to stay fit and has kept me from getting injured again after hurting my back. Uh, in addition, my wife Emma had some really good news to share this week. Uh, she got a new account with her job, and that was accompanied by a raise. And so she was really excited to call me and share that good news. And I wonder, when's the last time that you had good news to share? Maybe you ate at a new restaurant, or read the next book in your favorite series, or saw a movie that you had been anticipating, and the experience was so good that you just couldn't wait to tell your friends. Or maybe you fell in love this week. It happens, right? Or maybe you reconnected with an old friend or welcomed a new child or grandchild into your family. When we experience something good, we want to share that news with others. And when we share it, it makes it better, doesn't it? I don't know if there's anybody else. I know that Mike surfs, but you know, when you go surfing by yourself and you catch a really good wave, it feels good. But when you're with one of your surf buddies and you share that experience and when you're paddling back out, they say, man, that was a great wave. It makes it better. Sharing good news makes things better. And the Bible says that the message of Jesus is good news for the whole world. In fact, the word gospel means just that. It is translated as good news. And when we hear it and receive it, this message changes us in positive ways, which means that it's not just good news for the world, but it is good news to us personally. If you know that to be true, say amen. If Jesus has helped you, if Jesus has changed your life for the better, then you have good news to share. In addition, when you come to believe that what Jesus did for you, Jesus can also do for other people, then it only makes sense that you would want to share that with them. But more often than not, we don't. If we eat at a good restaurant, we take a picture of the food and post it to Facebook to share with all of our friends before we even get the bill. But when it comes to Jesus, there's just something that is difficult about sharing. You know, over the last five weeks, we have been in a series called Bless, Five Everyday Ways to Love Our Neighbor and Change the World. And I think that many of us find the first four practices to be pretty easy to get on board with. We are okay praying for people. If you're okay praying for people, just say amen, right? We can do that. I'll pray for, someone says, pray for me, Pastor Mark. I can do that. That's easy. Um, most of us are willing, when asked, to sit down and be a listening ear and to listen to people share without judgment. We like to share meals with people and we're more than willing to help when someone needs uh, assistance. But when it comes to sharing the story of Jesus, which is the fifth practice, 
when sharing what Jesus has done for us, we often feel reluctant. And the question that I want to wrestle with at the beginning this morning is why? Why is this so challenging? And I'm sure there are lots of reasons, but there are a few that I have found to be very common. First, some people think that they have to be an expert on the Bible to share their faith, or that they need to be an eloquent or convincing speaker. And so they just don't feel qualified to talk about Jesus and would rather leave it to the professionals. Second, some people have had bad experiences with so-called evangelists who were pushy and even forceful. I've already told you the story of the Oregon salesman who within 30 seconds of meeting me just stopped dead in his tracks, looked into my eyes and said, do you know Jesus as your personal savior? I was like, whoa, man, <laughs> it's a little quick. This kind of approach often makes people feel uncomfortable. And if this has been your experience, and if this is what you think of when it comes to sharing your faith, then I can imagine that many of you want to have nothing to do with it. And third, since some of us haven't given much thought to our story, since we're not very familiar with it, we're just not comfortable telling it. And I believe that these constraints are, un are understandable. I have wrestled with them over the course of my life. And in fact, I still struggle with the fear of not coming off as presumptuous or pushy. I still fear that if I share my faith that someone might think that I'm one of those creepy people who's gonna try to force something on them, causing them to kind of disconnect from me and walk away. But the Bible is clear that followers of Jesus are supposed to tell their story about what Jesus has done for them. It says in Romans 10, 13 to 14, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. But how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they've never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? People need someone to tell them about Jesus. And I want you to think about how your life would be worse off if no one ever told you about God's love in Jesus. Then we read in 1 Peter 3.15, But in your hearts revere Christ as Lord. Always, somebody say always. <laughs> always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. So you can see here, what the Bible is teaching is that if you are a Christian, then the way that you live your life should be different. And when people begin to ask why, you must always be prepared to tell them about what Jesus has done for you. All Christians will be called at one time or another to share their story. So how do we do this? 
How do we prepare for these divine appointments, these times when God gives us opportunities to share at least a part of our story? And when the time comes after we've done that preparation, how do we go about doing it in a way that is both effective and respectful and kind and loving? And I believe that we get some direction in the Bible from an account of Jesus healing a blind beggar in the Gospel of John chapter 9. It says in verse 1, As Jesus was walking along, he saw a man who had been blind since birth. The story doesn't tell us the man's name or really anything about him except that he was blind and he begged in the streets to survive. While this man probably became invisible to most people hustling and bustling through the streets, Jesus noticed him. And that's important. Jesus sees people that everyone else ignores. Jesus sees people that everybody else wants to pretend is not there. Jesus sees the people who have so many problems that they want to stay in the shadows because they don't want to be a burden to others by sharing their problems. But Jesus notices him, and then he does something really strange. Do you know the story? Some people would say what he does next is even gross, and I think it is kind of gross because he spits in some dirt, and he spits enough to make mud, and then he spreads that concoction all over the guy's eyes. The fact that the guy let him do it is kind of surprising to me, because if I heard someone going, I'd be like, whoa, man, wait just a minute. Then he tells the man, after he puts the mud on his eyes, go and wash him out. And when he does this, he discovers that he's been healed because now he can see. And I just want you to imagine this. I want you to imagine his experience. Living your whole life in darkness, and then in a matter of minutes, your sight is restored like that. And I can only imagine that this guy was completely blown away. It reminds me, this wasn't in my notes, but it reminds me yesterday that uh, Emma's dad and, and, and stepmom came to visit Isaac for his birthday, and, and our son Isaac is colorblind. And they got him these glasses, or these shades, when you clip them on your glasses, you can see color for the first time. And as Isaac's looking around, he can finally see green and red. And was so excited, he didn't want to take them off. Now just compare that excitement with what it would be like to be blind and then be able to see. And even though there were people who did not believe this beggar when he told his story, he kept telling the same simple story over and over again. So when his neighbors asked him what happened, he said, the man they called Jesus made mud and spread it over my eyes and said to me, go to the pool of Siloam and wash yourself. So I went and washed and now I can see. And as people continued to inquire, his message became even simpler, saying, listen guys, all I know is that I was blind, but now I see. And I want to invite you to notice a few things about this narrative. 
first, the blind beggar only had one story to tell, and that is the story of what Jesus had personally done for him. He didn't tell anybody else's story. He only told his own. And the same is true of us. When it comes to sharing our faith, God usually doesn't call us to tell someone else's story. He calls us to share our own, what Jesus has personally done for us. And I want to remind you that no one knows your story better than you, and no one is more qualified to tell your story than you. Second, notice what the blind beggar does not do. He does not quote a bunch of scripture. He does not make elaborate theological arguments. In fact, this guy cannot even explain exactly how Jesus healed him. He can only say, I was blind, Jesus made mud and put it on my eyes, I washed it out, and then I can see. That's it. That's what happened. Now, some people were not satisfied by the simplicity of his account and asked him for a more detailed explanation, challenging him to provide proof, going and talking to his parents. They tried to bait him into arguments, but the man would not go there because he wasn't interested in winning an argument or even trying to convince anyone of anything. All he did was say, this is what Jesus did for me. Allowing the people who heard the story to draw their own conclusions. And again, this is what God asks you to do as well. To tell people in very simple terms what Jesus has done for you, which does not require you to be an expert in anything. And it doesn't require you to quote a bunch of scripture or to make elaborate theological or biblical arguments or to convince people to say a scripted prayer, right? You're not trying to do anything other than share your story and do it in a way that is respectful and kind and then give the Holy Spirit some room to work and let people draw their own conclusions. Which brings us to a third observation. The beggar was not pushy when telling his story. Has anybody here encountered a Christian who was a little pushy in the way that they told their story? Somebody say amen if you've... I mean, I just want to know I'm not the only one, right? The beggar wasn't trying to force his beliefs on anyone. He wasn't making cold calls to strangers. You guys heard of cold call evangelism? It's what the organ salesman did to me. Hey, how you doing? I'm Mark. Nice to meet you, Mark. Do you know Jesus as your personal savior? What? I'm having dinner, man. Back up. <laughs> right? It's, it's not, he wasn't making cold calls to strangers. The man went back and shared his story with people that he knew with his friends and his family and those who lived in his community. Also, he didn't answer a question not asked. 
but shared his story with people who actually wanted to know what happened to him. And again, this is what God calls us to do. God doesn't call us to approach strangers and catch them off guard and start answering a bunch of loaded religious questions that no one has even asked. God doesn't call us to be pushy or to force our beliefs on other people. In fact, the Bible teaches against this in the verse that we read from 1 Peter 3.15 because it goes on to say that when we share our story, we are to do it, and I quote, with gentleness and respect. So when we are pushy, we damage the credibility of the gospel and can do more damage than good which is why the practice of sharing our story is the last thing that we do when trying to bless our neighbors. There's an order here, guys. First, we pray for them. Second, when given the opportunity, we listen without judgment. Third, we get to know them better by sharing meals and having meaningful conversations. And fourth, we offer ourselves in service when they ask for help. And doing these things first accomplishes a couple of important things. Number one, it allows us to build friendships. And number two, it makes our lives strange, but in a good way. You see, building friendships creates trust. And once we've built trust, if that person is going through a hard time in life and needs a friend, they are more likely to come to us with open hearts and open minds for help, creating an opening for us to share the part of our story that connects with the part of their story, which is an important point. You don't have to tell your whole story to someone at one time, and in fact, they probably don't want to hear it all at one time, right? Have you, um, we just had a small group in my house on Wednesday, and Dr. Maynard brought these, uh, this symbol outline, and and I wasn't as prepared as I should have been, so I had to do the outline kind of on the fly. Then when it came to me, I felt like I probably talked too long. I told a lot of my story. I could have probably cut it in half, right? And the fact of the matter is, whenever we're telling our story, if we sit down and tell the whole thing, by the time that we're done, it's a snoozer. People are like, come on, man. Can you tell me the rest later? Let's go get a cup of coffee, right? But you don't have to tell your whole story. You have to know your story well enough to be able to identify the parts of your story, and it might be a small part, that connects to the pain and the hurt and the question in someone else's story, right? And so when they come to you and ask you for help, you give them that part of your story that connects. So we build friendship. And when we live a life of self-sacrificial, humble service in a world that is plagued with pride and selfishness, we start to look strange. And when people get curious about why we are different, again, it creates an opportunity to share our story. But we love people first. We build caring relationships first. Remember the old adage, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. And God will give you opportunities to share your story. 
And by the time that this happens, you will probably be sharing it with a friend who actually wants to hear what you have to say. The final thing I invite you to notice is how short and simple the beggar's story was. Look at the pattern. He says, this is what my life was like before Jesus. I was blind. Two, this is how I met Jesus. I was begging in the streets. He approached me and began to talk to me. Number three, how did Jesus help me? I can see. He healed me. Do you see how simple that is? And we can use this simple pattern when trying to articulate our own story. In fact, I want to encourage you to do this today after church. You should have received a handout when you came in this morning. And I invite you to take it out now and just take a look at it. And what I'm trying to give you is a tool that will help you to reflect on and write your own story. You need to know your own story. Your story is important, and at some point, God's going to call you to share it, so you need to know it. And the handout contains three simple questions that follow the pattern of the blind beggar. What was my life like before I met Jesus? Now, some people say, well, Mark, I grew up in the church. Well, great. I'm assuming that when you were three years old, you weren't like a sold-out, fully devoted, faithful follower of Jesus, right? I mean, you grow up in the church, and it becomes something that, that you do like anything else that you grow up doing. But at some point in your life, I'm assuming that you made a decision to get really serious about following Jesus. How did that happen if you grew up in the church? What was your life like before you met Jesus? The second question, again, is how did I become a follower of Jesus? Who told you about Jesus? If someone is coming to mind today, if you remember who told you about Jesus, I want you to write their name down, and I want you to reach out to them today, and I want you to say thank you, because your willingness to share your story helped change my life. And it would be great for them to hear that. Who told you about Jesus? Did you go through a particularly hard time that led you back to God? Did a friend invite you to church or to a small group? Was there an experience that inspired you to get serious about following Jesus? How did you come to be a follower of Jesus? And then fi finally, what difference has it made in your life? How has knowing Jesus helped you through the good times and the bad? There are times in my life, friends, when I've gone through such hard things that I've said to my wife or others, I don't know how I would have survived this if not for my faith. What parts of you have been healed by God's love? Maybe there was a fear that you had or a brokenness in your heart because someone betrayed you or abused you or rejected or abandoned you. And you were carrying that around and it was affecting every area of your life. But then Jesus came in and spoke about God's love into your heart and it healed it and now it doesn't control you anymore. What character defects have been exposed and remedied? God's still eradicating selfishness from my heart I wonder what God is still eradicating from your heart God is still 
working on some fears. God's still working on some anger in my life. Like, we all have things we're working on, but the good news of the gospel is that when we come to know Jesus, he begins to work on those things and to help us to get better. What relationships have been healed because of Jesus, and what relationships have you been able to appropriately end because of Jesus, because there are some people you don't need in your life and your brokenness keeps you stuck there. But maybe Jesus healed that part and you said, you know what, I don't have to be connected to this person anymore. I don't have to continue to absorb all of their anxiety and all their issues. It's plaguing me. I can love them and still say, I've got boundaries. Did Jesus help you do that? What does transformation look like in your life? Was it something that happened very quickly? Was there some dramatic change that happened and you can tell the day and the time? Or was it something that happened more gradually over time? Was it easy or was it painful? I don't know about you guys, but the change that God has brought in my life, I mean, they do say that, that to be transformed is to be crucified with Jesus, and I don't know anybody who likes to die, right? I mean, Jesus is still crucifying my ego, and it hurts, what does your transformation look like? Does that transformation follow a straight line? Or does it have lots and twists and turns? Does it feel like two steps forward and one step back? Or does it feel like two steps forward and three steps back? Do you feel like you're chasing your tail and running in circles? Who has God put in your life over the years to help you? Maybe it was a pastor or some church friends, or a doctor, a counselor, a therapist, or a spiritual director. Friends, if we have been followers of Jesus for any length of time, it should make a big difference in our lives, a positive difference in our lives. And I wonder, when is the last time you've thought about this? Because I, my hunch is that you have a lot more good news to share than why, what might appear at first glance. And as you begin to spend some time in prayer and reflection, and you answer these questions, you're going to be able to write your story in a very simple and clear way. And then once you write your story, you need to practice telling it. And guess who you start with? You start with yourself. You need to preach to yourself. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Has anybody gone through, when I go through a hard time, all of, the, all of the deceptions and the lies that I've heard about myself throughout the years or the lies I've told myself about the years, they kind of suck me back into the darkness and the anxiety and the fear, right? And I need someone to preach the gospel to me. I need to hear a story, and the best story that I can hear is my own, what God has done for me. And the best person to tell me my story is me. And so you need to share the gospel with yourself. And there is power in this. If you will remember what God has done for you, and if you will remember how God has healed you and helped you, then your faith will be strengthened and renewed, thinking about how good God has been to you. Because no matter how long we have been following Jesus, and that includes your pastor as well, most of us still struggle in some area of our life. And when we tell ourselves what God has done for us in the past and remember the goodness of God in very personal and concrete ways, 
we can experience even more healing, more freedom, more encouragement, and more transformation. And after you have practiced preaching your story to yourself, I encourage you to share it with two or three trusted Christian friends. How many of your friends know the story of your faith? How many people have you known for years? How many people have you sat in church with for years who have never heard what your life was like before you met Jesus, how you came to know him, and what difference he has made in your life? And here's the cool thing. Whenever you share your story with friends, they get to know you better, and when they get to know you better, you get closer, and your friendship as it, gets, as it gets stronger and closer, is a gift not only to you, but also to them. And then finally, as you practice your story, you will get comfortable telling it, which will make it more likely for you to share it when God gives you the opportunity to do so. And who knows? Your story may be the key that God uses to unlock someone else's heart. Did you hear that, church? Who knows, maybe your story, your unique story that only belongs to you, that only you can tell, maybe God will use that as the key to unlock someone else's heart so that they can experience the healing and the forgiveness, the courage, the strength, and the hope to follow Jesus and have a new life. And that, my friends, is the good news of the gospel this morning. Hey everyone, this is Pastor Mark, and I want to thank you for listening today. I also want to thank First United Methodist Church of Cocoa Beach, the faith community I am honored to serve and that helps make this ministry possible. If you are being blessed by these messages, I invite you to support the mission of Jesus through the efforts of our church by making a donation. Simply go to our website, www.fumccb.com, and click on the link that says Give. I also hope that you will explore other parts of our website and connect to other ministries like online worship and Bible studies. If you feel more comfortable, you can also mail a donation to the church office at 3300 North Atlantic Avenue, Cocoa Beach, Florida, 32931. We sincerely appreciate your support as we try to help people who are struggling and need to hear good news. Again, thanks for tuning in today, and may God bless you.